In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers, and we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Barry and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Barry, B-E-R-R-Y. Thanks for your help. Well, the thing is, is that whenever I win a, a big bet on a team, I buy the merchandise of the team to commemorate it. So my two-year-old's running around in the Charlotte Hornets gear because Lamelo Ball went third in the draft a few years ago, and I bet on it. And that's, uh, that's how we operate. It's, it's got to be amazing when another parent asks you, like, oh, are you guys big Hornets fans? Yeah. And you explain that story to them yeah. of why your child is wearing Hornets gear. No, 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 no. I, I am not a fan of the Charlotte Hornets at all. I'm just a degenerate gambler. Yes. That's exactly right. Would your child like to come over for a play date? <laughs> yeah. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry and our resident degenerate gambler, Jay Crowder. Charlotte Hornets fan. Go Hornets. That's right. Go Hornets. Take Barry, welcome draw. back. De- de- uh, degenerate Scoop. gambler and, and suspect parent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's three. clear your wife does the heavy lifting. If your Instagram is any indication. Yeah. She's uh, very much Patrick Mahomes. The operation, I'm more like the Sky Moore. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. pretty much. Yeah. You wouldn't even give yourself Darius Tony. Yeah, nor Kelsey. It, yeah. It's just as, as far as I can tell, Jay's entire entire parenting uh, ability is basically turning on a game and watching it and just making sure his kid isn't lighting anything on fire. Yeah. Or the kids like, have just, the iPad. The, ki- yeah. the kids yeah. are just right there in, yeah. the, in the background. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't pay any attention to them. He says, that's bonding. Here, watch Daddy Gamble. Yeah, and exactly. it's routinely Saturday content. It's co- routine. routinely. Routinely. Jay's home Saturday. Your wife gets finally some kind of break. Yeah. And well, it's you playing zone defense with three children. Yeah, well, on, uh, on Sunday, my wife went out with two of the kids, so she left me with the baby. She comes back, and she's like, what, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, watching Dortmund against Augsburg because we need Borussia Dortmund to win the Bundesliga. She's like, oh, is that it's good kind of baby viewing? It's like, there's nothing wrong with watching German, German soccer with the baby. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, that's, uh, that's how yeah. it goes. With a, yeah. with a couple of quid on the game, yeah. as it were. <laughs> yeah. uh, a couple of things to get to before we get to a jam-packed show. Our last show before we go on hiatus. Mm. A couple of things. First off, Jay Croucher, while you were sitting there making your kids into degenerate gamblers, <laughs> yeah. Connor Rogers out there earning awards. I don't know if you guys saw this, but awfulannouncing.com, which is a media website, a sports media website that really studies our industry, announced their rising stars list for 2023. And somehow, somehow, we did not bring Connor Rogers down enough. He is on that <laughs> list. He's considered a rising star. Thank you, fellas. Thank you. 2023. Well deserved. Thank nice you. job. I'm glad that Awful Announcing uh, recognized it. The site's called Awful Announcing, but often they celebrate good announcing. Yes, like our friend Connor Rogers. Like our friend Connor Rogers. It's good a large budget of our show went to getting me on that list. It was a really nice thing for them to do. There was a a whole campaign. Yes. We we thought we had a better shot with you than Jay. We didn't even bother with Jay. Jay didn't didn't make the list. I'm not – and I'm very excited – 
I'm excited. A couple of weeks, they'll come out with an, a new list that I think I'm going to be on, Aging Stars. Oh. <laughs> right, you're on the Rising Stars, stars list. Right. Yes, Jesus. exactly. I'm, I'm on the Aging Stars yeah. list, you so I'm Matthew very excited Stafford. about that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank Me you, and Matthew fellas. Stafford. Yeah. Much appreciated. Pretty exciting. And what, last thing I want to do is for people like uh, little, you know, Diane, our, our makeup artist, very sweet. She does a great job for us here. I walked into makeup, and she, she, takes, she goes, are you wearing that on air? I'm like, the T-shirt? I said, yes, I am. Go Cheshire Rams lacrosse, by the way. So uh, today, later tonight, we play for the SCC Championship, which is the, the, our, our division, our conference, if you will. Sure. And it, the team is the number one team in the state for Class M in Connecticut boys lacrosse. And so uh, we have a bunch of kids that made all state last year. It's a really good team. My son is a, a defensive midi, starting defensive midi. So... Uh, Anyway, I've seen the Go highlight, Rams. The Go highlight Rams. reel. You've Go posted. Cheshire Rams. They're a good Rams. team. They've Pretty played. gnarly stuff. It's awesome. They have played together their entire lives. They've, I mean, I've seen these kids since they were like in second and third grade. They've all grown up together. It's a great group of kids. And so, anyway, we'll see. Go Rams. We'll Go see. Rams. Go, Rams. Go Rams. Go Rams. Clap it up. Turtle it out, kids. All right. They'll know what that means. <laughs> You've been a busy man. Yes, sir. Rookie premiere. For those listening that don't know what the rookie premiere is, I feel like they just see the, the photo of all of the guys yeah, together. Yeah. What is that experience like before we get into the actual conversations you got to have? It's great. And so, in essence, what the rookie premiere is, so the NFLPA, the Players Association, they're great friends to me. They're great friends to fantasy. You see, like, all the, all the jerseys behind us, you know, and, and you see some of the knickknacks there in the back, like, you know, the little player stuff. That is all thanks to our friends at the NFLPA and Fanatics as well, our friends at Fanatics. So we really appreciate it. They've been tremendous supporters of me over the years, and they invite me every year. And in essence, what the rookie premiere is, is that they take what they consider to be the 40 or so, this year we had 43, the 40 or so most marketable rookies coming into the NFL and have them engage with all their partners. So they, they, you know, they get their Madden rating for the first time, and they see that they, they get their jersey for the first time. There's a, there's a photo shoot. They, they do signing for Panini cards and all the different uh, companies that, that the NFLPA works with, all their partners. They get to you know, get content from, uh, from the rookies. And so it's great. You're, you're in this hotel in L.A. for like three days, and you're just like you walk into the elevator, and you're like, What's up, Bryce Young? Like, it's just like, you know, you're all just sort of right there. And uh, it's great. And it's really, um, really a special experience. And I've been going for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, tremendous. They're tremendous hosts. Well, it looked awesome. And obviously, the face of the rookie premiere, you would think this year, is B. John Robinson, or at least the face of fantasy amongst rookies. And I know that you got to not only uh, talk to B. John Robinson, but, you know, obviously, you said I, right away, like, this dude is different not just on the field, but a different personality off of it. So to finish what we were saying in terms of what it's like, in terms of what I do there, is I go there and from literally from like 7 a.m. until 5 o'clock, I interview all 43 of them. They come in one after another, and you're doing interview after interview, so it's great. Um, it's a long day, but an awesome day. Shout out to Damien Dabrowski, our producer, who's out there with me as well. And uh, I'm at day, and so it's interesting, right? You meet 43 people in the course of a day, and it's, sometimes it's hard to like... Uh, you know, they run together in a little bit. But I will tell you, yes, Bijan Robinson is different. My takeaway after I, after I met him was this guy is going to be a massive, massive star in the NFL. Uh, in addition to we know his on-field prowess, but I will just tell you in terms of super engaging personality, really, really, you know, funny, humble, focused. I was incredibly impressed with him. Um, and he told me that, uh, you know, I asked him about fantasy football. He doesn't play. But he just said, oh, all my friends have been texting me 101. He's like, what does that mean? <laughs> and he goes, I'm like, Bijan, it means they want to draft you as with the first pick overall. And by the way, 
I don't think it's that crazy. Not at all. He talked about the fact of some of the things we've already discussed. He's like, oh, yeah, coaches already told me they're going to use me all over the field. They're going to use me in the slot. They're going to use me out wide. They're going to use me in the backfield. They're going to be really creative. I'm going to be involved in all aspects of the game. I can already tell in terms of what they're telling me to learn in the playbook and in terms of some of the stuff we've been doing in rookie mini camp. Yep. I think Bijan's obviously, I mean, he is the guy among rookies from a fantasy perspective. And also, you know, we talk about offensive rookie of the year. He's the clear favorite of that. I think he has a chance to win offensive player of the year. I think the most interesting rookie, though, in terms of range of outcomes is Anthony Richardson. So how's your discussion with Anthony? I loved Anthony Richardson. You never know. Look, you don't want to base anything based on whatever, a 15-minute conversation with a kid, right? You never know. I mean, I've had bad conversations, and those people have gone on to be superstars. There have been people at Rookie Premier that have interviewed where I'm like, I love that guy, and they've just done nothing in the league. So you never know. I will just tell you this. Of all the interviews, I think I was most impressed with Anthony Richardson. Wow. This kid is super focused. Um, like, he is like... He's ready to kick ass and take names. Like, I, you know, like, I mean, a lot of people were jovial, and he's just like, no, this is what I'm doing. This is what I've got to do. You know, he is very aware of the expectations on him, what he needs to do to get there. Um, and, um, you know, talked about the fact that uh, we talked a little bit. His favorite player is Tom Brady. And he, um, his two favorite players are Cam Newton and Tom Brady. Cam, obviously, because it's a similar playing style. Tom Brady, because of the mental aspect of the game. He'd had a chance to uh, spend some time with Tom early in the week that made the rounds on social media. Michael Rubin hosted a thing uh, at his house. And just talking about what he learned from Tom in terms of the mental aspect of the game. Incredibly impressive kid. Like, I, let's, let me put it this way. I don't know what Anthony Richards is going to do, but if he fails in the NFL, it's not going to be from a lack of effort or a lack of mental acuity, right? This guy is locked in. Yeah, I think they're a team as well that's going to be a lot more fun and interesting and potentially good than people are anticipating too. I mean, we talked about it before. People forget, like, they were heavy favorites to win that division last year. Now they've been completely written off because they had a terrible season. They had a terrible season because they were starting Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles down the end of the year. I mean, they have talent on that team still. They still have Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman and an offensive line that should be better and a good defense. So, like, if Richardson is good, they just need that one thing to happen, and then all of a sudden, you know, they could be a, a playoff team. Uh, look, he's going to make some mistakes, obviously. He's a rookie, but I, I think, look, I think he's got all the tools. I was really impressed with sort of just how, again, how focused and locked in he was uh, during the three days. And the other thing I'll say here is, is that, like, look, my rankings are out on, on rotorworld.com, NBCSportsEdge.com. I currently have Anthony Richardson as QB 13. No, oh, wow. I mean, I... He is going to, like, it may not always be pretty, but because of the rushing, he'll put up fantasy numbers. And so, uh, you know, and that's, I, I think he's going to start week one, too. I think it's even more impressive when you hear about that maturity level, considering he played as a 20-year-old this season. Yeah. I mean, the other quarterbacks are older than him. So for Richardson to already be there, and he, he presented himself that way at the Combine, obviously at the rookie premiere, and has positioned himself quite well to start for the Colts out of the gate. I will also say, like, when he walks, so you meet all these guys in person, and they're not in pads and everything like that, and so you sort of physically see them. And, I mean, like, whatever, I'm, I'm six foot. 200, we'll call it, you know, like white case 195. Well, you know, it depends on the on the on the uh, on the chicken tenders. I'm just saying, like, I was bigger. I didn't get. A, I've, it's been a it's been a couple of weeks since I've had uh, some really good chicken. What I will tell you is is that um, Anthony Richardson walked in and he is built different. Oh, it's different than a lot of the other quarterbacks I met. A lot of the other players I met. I'm I'm physically bigger than a lot of the running backs. And wide receivers, I met bigger than Tank Dell, and, <laughs> bigger than Bryce Young. Yeah, I mean, Seriously. you know, real talk. And but 
Anthony Richards came in and you're just like, oh, oh man, you, you are, you're. Uh, it's Josh Allen he, level he, stuff. He's, he's right. exactly. He's yep. a big, big guy. There's no like you know. So um, yep. he was impressed. He was impressive from you know all over the place. Yeah, but physically, mentally, uh, you know, conversationally, just he was. I'm a big fan. Yep. I'm a big, big fan. So he weighs in at 244, so he's between 30 and 60 pounds heavier than you, somewhere in that range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of chicken things. Wait, I mean, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I think our, uh, we're, we're, we're close there, but I think body fat-wise, we're <laughs> way, way apart. This guy probably has, like, 4% body yeah, fat. I've got, boy. like, you know, 4% non-body fat. <laughs> Slightly different. <laughs> i got, like, 4% lard. All right. <laughs> Something I always like seeing at the rookie premiere picture is duos that come into the league. Yeah, together. yeah, yeah. And, and there was one there for Houston now in C.J. Stroud and Tank Dell who will get to play together in this new-look Houston offense. Yeah, I, you know, I talked to both those guys, and I talked about because the story came out how C.J. Stroud lobbied the Texans to get C.J. Stroud. I asked him about that. He said, yeah, he, he had hoped that, you know, because the Texans originally had 2-12, and 12, and he was hoping that JSN would go there, his teammate from Ohio State. When, when the Texans traded up to get Will Anderson and, and 12 was no longer on the table, he then started lobbying for Tank Dell. He's like, this is somebody I met in the pre-draft process that I really vibed with. Um, and then talking to Tank Dell, same thing. Like, uh, they've really vibed uh, as well. Uh, apparently, they've been hanging out nonstop you know, obviously Tank Dell is from Houston. He played at the University of Houston. So he's just like, yeah, I've been showing him around, everything like that. We've been hanging out every night. We're playing Madden. We're grabbing food. And so they become like best buds very, very quickly. The fact that C.J. Stroud went out and lobbied for Tank Dell, you know, uh, spoke very highly of Tank Dell, as did his college quarterback as well. Clayton uh, Toon. Clayton Toon from the University of Houston. I interviewed him and I said, what are the Texans getting in Tank Dell? And he was very effusive as well in terms of great teammate, great route runner, just unbelievable wide receiver. So when you think about Houston and the fact that they've got, you know, Nico Collins and John Mechie, and like they, they just don't have a lot of experience there. I think there's a better than average chance that the leading receiver on this Texans team is Tank Dell. And I think he should move up the rookie ranks because the situation he's in and the connection that's already forming between him and C.J. Stroud. Yeah. I think he can jump Robert Woods. Yeah, I mean, like, exactly. Yeah. Like, you're not worried about Robert Woods at all. Um, so, uh, anyway. It's nothing new for Tank. I mean, you look at his offense that he played in at the University of Houston. Like you said, he stays in Houston under Dana Holgerson. I mean, the target share was absurd. This guy had, I think, over 150 targets last year. They put him on motion every play. The gadget plays will be right there for Bobby Slowick's offense right away. So, that's good to hear that he already has that relationship with Stroud, who we're going to presume will be yeah. the starter for Houston. And, by the way, easy kid to root for, too. It's, it's clear. To, it was easy to see why him and Stroud have bonded so much. He's just he, Tank Dell's got a really infectious personality. So, before the draft... All the spotlight was on where will Will Levis go, how high can Will Levis go. After the draft, as he fell to the second round, now he's behind Ryan Tannehill, a little bit more of a quiet spot in Tennessee. There's no spotlight on Will Levis, but Will Levis was there. And maybe one of the first times we get to you know, yeah. see him in that spot you know, after the draft. what's so interesting is like one of the rumors that went around is that one of the reasons why Levis fell from, you know, people were projecting him to potentially be a top five pick and why he fell to the second round was that he, quote, didn't interview well. And I found that shocking. I, maybe. I mean, we weren't in those interviews. But I will just tell you, meeting him, incredibly personable, self-deprecating. You know, I talked about the fact that, like, 
he threw the mayonnaise thing out just as kind of a joke, like he did it once, and all of a sudden it's taken off like wildflower and everything like that. But uh, really enjoyed him. Another guy that's just like in terms of you talk about sort of physical specimens, like just oh, yeah. like He's you jacked. know, he is he is yeah. Jack. He is like you know uh, from uh, from central casting in terms. I need like big, good-looking quarterback. Like he is he is Jack. There's no question about it. He's a big fantasy football player as well. He talks that's about cool. the fact that he's been in the league with his buddy since ninth grade, and uh, they're all you know they're all joking how they're going to draft him over him and everything like that um uh the loser i asked him that he, he told me he's never finished last uh in the league and that the uh, the loser punishment was that the uh the loser had to eat a pack of uncooked hot dogs oh so, like it's a real league like i'm in you know i was impressed so, uh, they got a safety hazard yeah, probably <laughs> yeah. probably not healthy but luckily he hasn't uh he hasn't, hasn't lost, lost it as yeah. well um anyway just whatever there's no fantasy value to Will Levis this year, but uh, I found him to be an easy guy to root for. And just worth noting, again, like, so I'm sitting here in my Cheshire Lacrosse Rams uh, uh, T-shirt here. So Will Levis grew up in Connecticut. He played high school ball at Xavier High School, which is one of Cheshire's rivals. He's played Cheshire. We talked about it a little bit. And just and I told him how we're in the playoffs and everything like that. And the, after our interview, he very graciously, he recorded, like, just a, a you know, hey, good luck, boys. That's Go nice. get them. Connecticut athletes, we got to stick together. Just a really nice video for the Cheshire Rams lacrosse team, which I shared with them, and they, they won their first-round playoff game That's pretty awesome. handily. So, anyway, just good dude. Yep. Easy dude to root for. Going to make a prediction. So, the Tennessee Titans, here's how they start next season with their schedule. At New Orleans, Chargers, at Cleveland, Cincinnati, at Indy, Baltimore, bye week. I think there's a good chance that Will Levis is the starting quarterback coming out of the bye Out week. of the bye week. Yeah. Because then it goes Atlanta at Pittsburgh at Tampa. Softer landing. Because Carolina or Indianapolis, like, Will Levis could very well if be they the go into that, If they go into that bye week and they're two and five or what is yeah. that? Week, yeah, two and five, they're three and four, and they and Jaguars or Colts are sort of running away with the division. Derrick Henry's getting traded. Y- yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that call. Yep. I like that call. One of us was laughed off the set when they took him in our dynasty mock draft. <laughs> I don't remember who. Just yeah. one of us was laughed off the set. Yeah, it was. It was me. I don't yeah, think it was yeah. me because I got I got my guy Anthony Richardson. Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely right. Yeah. All right, let's look at some wide receivers. Uh, I think it was a surprise when Green Bay took Jaden Reed when they did, especially the receivers that were on the board. And I think a lot of people called it a reach at the time, but it looks like Jaden Reed might be the Packers' starting slot receiver this year. Yeah, I mean, I literally just said to him, I said, listen, Jaden, I know you just got there, um, and, you know, it's early, rookie minicamps just sort of started, but I'm sitting here looking at this team, and I'm like, I don't think Christian Watson's playing the slot. Pretty sure Romeo Dobbs ain't playing the slot. And he was just like, yeah, I'm going to be the slot receiver. Like, he's just like, you know, yeah, I mean, he's like, they'll play me some outside, I'm doing some, but most of the stuff that I've been doing is inside. I'm going to be their slot receiver. Packers, by the way, fourth in slot targets last year. Obviously, they moved from Rodgers to Jordan Love, so there'll be some tendency change there. But think about Al Lazard, Randall Cobb, Bob Tunyon. All three of them no longer on Green Bay. There's 217 targets up for grabs in this offense. So Jaden Reed, who's going to be the slot receiver for an inexperienced quarterback in Jordan Love, you could certainly see him having a nice year. We liked Jaden Reed coming out of the draft. Absolutely, and he's going to return punts for them as well. So he's yep. going to be doing a lot of things. They want him involved, especially when they took him that high in the draft, obviously. Uh, big thoughts for Jaden Reed. How about the forgotten receiver of the first round here? It feels like there hasn't been a ton of buzz about Zay Flowers, 
when all four of those wide receivers went in a row. We know this is going to be a new-look Ravens offense that he'll be entering. Yeah, look, think about Mark Andrews. You think about Odell Beckham Jr. You think about J.K. Dobbins coming back. How about Rashad Bateman, by the way? On the field for the first day of OTAs, he's recovering from that Liz Frank surgery in November last year, remember, with the foot. Um, so great to see him. But I want to talk about Zay Flowers again, and it's going to sound like, oh, well, you liked everyone. No, we're going to talk about 10 guys. I interviewed 43. 43. I talked to 43. (laughs) I'm talking about 10 here today. So, you know, some of the ones I don't mention, like, you know, either I didn't get anything great from the interview. You hated him. Or you'll work. No, I didn't hate anyone. I'm just kidding. um, I didn't either get much from him. Or also, by the way, all these these interviews are going to be available on the NFL on NBC YouTube channel here coming up soon. We'll do a special podcast with uh, some of the great stuff that we got from the NFLPA rookie premiere, but specific to Zay Flowers, he just talked about how excited he was to play with Lamar, sees this offense stuff, he's having huge potential, he's talked with Lamar, and you know, he noted the fact that I think people don't understand why Lamar Jackson's passing gets criticized when in 2019, his first year as a starter, Lamar Jackson led the NFL in touchdown passes. Forget about the rushing and the dynamic offensive, like the dude led the NFL in touchdown passes Adding Todd Munkin as the offensive coordinator this offseason, we think there'll be some creativity and more of a pass-heavy approach to Baltimore's offense here. I will just tell you, Zay Flowers is a guy that, another easy kid to root for, really infectious personality, uh, really enjoyed getting to know him, easy to like and root for. I think he'll... I, you know, I, I think he'll bond with Lamar very quickly. Yeah, and that offense now is just like completely loaded. Their offensive line is excellent. Lamar, when he was healthy, was fantastic last season. He was a top MVP candidate the first few weeks of the season in particular. And now the wide receivers, like, I don't know who it's going to be, but between Odell and Aguilar and Zay Flowers and Devin Duvernay, who's, like, quietly effective last year, and Mark Andrews, like, they just have so many choices now, and some of them are going to work. Yeah. yeah, with a much better play caller, too, yeah. in Todd Munkin. By the way, that's how it, quietly effective is how I would describe you, Jay Crouch. Oh, thank just, you. you. Know, yeah. Just, you know, that's, also, that's a yeah. good descri- description of you. Yeah. Quietly I effective. I wouldn't use the same adjectives for you. No. Yeah. No, not quiet nor effective. <laughs> yeah. It's 0 for 2 on me, yeah. right there. Loudly <laughs> happening. Yeah. Matthew Berry. Yeah. 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 Yes. Existing. Yeah, right. loudly existing. Existing, yeah. yeah. The Devin Duvernay. Of the desk. I don't have yeah. a player comp for you yet. I don't know we'll if that's there. a great thing potentially for my OBJ. legacy, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, potentially OBJ. Like, you know, well-known, potentially passed <laughs> yeah. by prime. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. there. Like, yeah, you know, bit of a diva. Yeah. You know. Like, <laughs> you covered know. heavily in the right. media. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember when you were a free agent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. There you right. go. So, and Connor would be Mark Andrews. It's the rock. Oh, I like this. Yes. Yeah. The foundation of the offense. So I'm not that happy. Maybe he's a Rashad Bateman. Huh? Well, he's Odell Beckham's the bigger name. But Mark Andrews is kind of rock solid and more effective. I'm not on the injury report as much as Rashad Bates. <laughs> yeah. so fair. I try this to get to make it at this desk. This is fair. You're much stoked like with being Devin Duvernay in this, but that's fun. That's fine. Maybe. I don't blame yeah. you. All right, let's look over to a backfield. Uh, Kendra Miller yeah. for the Saints, of course, a third-round pick. We know the Alvin Kamara suspension could be on the horizon. They signed Jamal Williams. But Kendra Miller, there was a little bit of a surprise when you talked to him. So when you go there, I mean, you're interviewing 43 people. And so the NFLPA gives you like a little cheat sheet. You know, here's a couple of nuggets about each player. Yeah, they give you a little bit of they give you a little they give you a little bit of a cheat sheet. And myself and and my producer, Damien, like we had done some prep as well. And so we we'd talk through, you know, every interview. And so we sort of had a game plan going in. But it is right. 43. They do run over again. But so one of the one of the tidbits on the NFLPA cheat sheet for Kendra Miller is that his favorite player growing up was Jerry Rice. And I was just like, you're a running back. Like, why Jerry? I mean, I get it. Jerry Rice is the GOAT, you know, but like, 
And he's just like, I wanted to be a receiver growing up. Like, I want to be a receiver growing up. And we talked about that. And he talked about the fact that how at TCU, uh, they had a lot of vertical threats. Max Dugan, not the most mobile of quarterbacks. And so they just, they didn't really need him in the passing game. But that the coaches have been impressed with, he's like, I can catch the ball. I, you know, I can catch the ball. Um, I, uh, I, it's something I pride myself on. I think I'm really good at it. I didn't get a chance to showcase that at TCU, but the Saints coaches so far have been really impressed with my pass-catching ability. And I will say that talking with other people around the New Orleans media, they say that they think that you know, a year or two from now, when Kamara has moved on, they think Ken- Kendry Miller can be Alvin Kamara in this offense, can be, he's obviously a different player, but that in, in, the, in the sense of a three-down back. Somebody that can be on third downs, that can be part of the passing game as well, is going between the tackles. And so I just thought that was really interesting. He does tennis ball uh, catching drills every day where they're throwing, you know, they're throwing. Yeah, right, exactly. And he's doing those drills, and he said, you know, they're really impressed with him uh, and how well he's doing in those drills. So Kendra Miller was born in 2002, which, one, makes me feel really old, uh, which makes you feel even older. And then two. I feel old. Here's what's great about being me. I feel old at every moment. It doesn't matter. Nothing makes me feel old other than just existing. When I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, hey, okay, I woke up. Good. All right, I'm still here. Good. So the chicken fingers diet does to you. Yeah. Um, so Kendra, so yeah. Jerry Rice is his favorite player growing up. It's like Connor's favorite basketball player being like Bernard King. Or something. <laughs> it's like, oh, I loved Bernard King when I was growing up. Big like Bart Star guy from, over yeah, here. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, is, it is right. I mean, like Jerry I like Rice. It. I'm old enough where Jerry Rice could have been my favorite player growing up. Sure. I mean, like that. I mean, that's yeah. how long ago that Jerry played. Mm. But anyway, whatever. You know, he like he must have watched clips yeah. on uh, YouTube or I something like Dan that. I love Dan Fouts. Right. The the point the point of the Kendra Miller thing is just that I think I think based on his college tape uh, people will underestimate his potential to have a role in the pass catching for the Saints again all they really only have Jamal Williams there's a looming suspension likely happening for Alvin Kamara so some opportunity there Kamara's also obviously been injured a lot the last couple of years how about this note in the rundown? I'm, I'm just going to throw it right up to you. Michael Wilson, uh, day two pick of the Arizona Cardinals, really talented wide receiver that just had horrible injury luck at Stanford, but a really, really good player, will have a career in media when he retires. So was this the runaway interview, like the guy? This, I just – he is uh, – the minute our interview was over, and we, we shook hands and we took a picture, and I just said, whenever your playing career is done, I hope it's 20 years from now, but whenever your playing career is done, you should go immediately – to broadcasting because he he's a good looking guy he is smooth in terms of how he uh how he delivers information like he was just really personable likable but just also like just had all the qualities you want to look for in a broadcaster like again just a a good looking personable uh concise and uh you know engaging person the opposite of me, honestly. <laughs> I mean, the opposite. I'm sitting here trying to describe. You're describing them. someone's concision, well, yeah, yeah exactly, it's, uh, exactly. I mean, 100. percent Like, if I can make it, like Michael Wilson, absolutely can. I thought that was interesting too. By the way, uh, his girlfriend, Sophia Smith, uh, is a. She plays for the U.S. national team. She's a pro soccer player with the Portland Thorns as well. They've been together over five years, and I literally just said, like, assuming you guys get married at some point, can I just represent your kid in whatever sport they want to do? Because that kid's going to be like the greatest athlete of all time. It's like the Zacherts Julia. I mean, exactly right. Over again. A, a yeah. thousand percent. Yeah. Um, anyway, that, that was just his thing. It's just like uh, I wasn't that familiar with Michael Wilson, but then after meeting him, I'm just like, good God! Like you are, you know, he, he talks a good game, man. He's like, yeah, I was really impressed with him. All right, uh, let's keep it going with the wide receivers here. 
Jackson Smith and Jigba, obviously the first wide receiver taken in this draft. I thought Ernie just looked awesome at the rookie premiere. Oh. He had the shades on. Yeah. There's certain aesthetic wide receivers where you go, you have to be good. Right, you yeah, have yeah, to yeah. Be good. And that's what I thought with Jackson yeah, Smith Yeah, de- de- definitely had the swag going um, and, uh, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk. So one of my first questions to him was, hey, okay, so you're an Ohio State wide receiver. Last year, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, monster years. You know, I'm a Commanders fan. Terry McLaurin, he's my, you know, he's an Ohio State guy. He's been great. Do you feel any pressure, you know, to continue this tradition of Ohio State wide receivers coming out of, you know, uh, coming out of the Buckeyes program and immediately contributing in the NFL? And he had one of the best quotes I've ever heard. He said, we're taught at Ohio State, pressure is a privilege. I'd never heard that phrase before. He's like, pressure is a privilege. And I just, I love that. And so he said, yes, you know, obviously that weighs on it. I also want to do, you know, he's like getting to Seattle and, you know, being next to DK Metcalf and, and the OG Tyler Lockett is how he described it. Uh, you know, he's just like wanting to be able to be good for Seattle, which is a storied franchise and Gino's a, a really good quarterback. And so he felt like, you know, he felt like no question, there's pressure, there's pressure on him because of where he's coming from, because of the team he's been drafted to, because of the role that's expected, he's going to be their starting slot receiver. But I just love the idea, the mentality of not wilting under the pressure, but the idea of pressure is a privilege, that you don't have pressure if no one expects anything of you, right? You know, you don't have pressure if there's not an opportunity there. So uh, it's a phrase I guess they use at Ohio State. And I just, I love that phrase, and I wanted to find a way to work into the show. Pressure is a privilege. Very Al Pacino, pace with inches any given Sunday. Pressure yeah. is a privilege. Yeah, I'm interested to see how much Seattle throw the ball this season, right. because the, the book on them was always that, well, why don't you let Russ cook? Why is it run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass? And then last year, with Russ finally gone, they did start to throw it a lot more, but they've still now got Charbonnet and Ken Walker, but they have so many receiving weapons. Like, they're going to be spoiled for choice. I hope they throw the ball more and more, because I think they should. But that'll be interesting to watch the first two games of the season. Just like, what's their, what's their play call rate of runs versus passes? I think after B. John Robinson, everybody's wondering. The other running back taken in the top 15, Jameer Gibbs. What will it look like for him his first season in Detroit? Obviously, with David Montgomery there, you'd hope there's at least a pass-happy role for Gibbs in year one. Yeah, certainly. And that seems to be the expectation. Like, you know, I asked him about that. Like, again, it's early. but And he goes, oh, yeah, they've already got me lining up all over the field. Like, I'm... I'm lining up again in the slot, outside, I'm in the backfield. They're going to they're gonna use me uh, in a lot of different ways. He talked about the fact that they've, uh, you know, that, that they talked to him about one of the reasons they drafted him was because of his pass-catching ability. I asked him, were you surprised? Because all of us were surprised that Detroit took you. And he says, he goes, they were one of my top 30 visits. You know, they were, you know, I had a, I had a top 30 visit from them. So he said, I wasn't, I knew they liked me, but yes, I was shocked just like everyone else. I didn't expect to go there. Yep. You know, he seems he's very happy and they're excited to use him. And he's going to be a big part of their passing game. Where does he write out of like pass catching uh, running backs out of the backfield of the past few years? Because it seems like his stats are off the chart in that regard. He's right near the top. And it's funny, he was in the same class as Bijan Robinson because that kind of took the spotlight off him. Within any other class, you'd say Jameer Gibbs is that guy. I mean, this should be an Alvin Kamara kind of player at yep. the NFL level. like eighty uh, Kamara obviously had 81-plus catches his first four seasons. I don't know if I expect that from Gibbs as a rookie, but the same kind of usage and role, Gibbs has that, and he's just as explosive. Yep. I mean, look, DeAndre Swift had over 45 catches every year that he was in Detroit, and he missed a lot of games. 
Like, I don't think 60 catches is out of the question no. for Jameer Gibbs. Like, I would, I would take – I don't know what the line is on the preseason prediction, but I would take north of 60 receptions for him this year. Yeah, I think a good thing for Gibbs is that it always felt like DeAndre Swift was disappointing in Detroit relative to what he could have been, but he always, like, produced. And the fact that Gibbs, I mean, if he just meets expectations, he's going to be an absolute monster. And also, his skill set is just so fantasy-friendly in yes. PPR. Like, he is going to be, I think – it's going to be, you know, we're going to talk about Austin Eckler, but it's going to be a similar thing where his fantasy production is going to outweigh, I think, the perception of him just as a regular NFL player. And, and look, and the, and the, the Lions have a very good offensive line. They have a real quarterback in Jared Goff, and they have opportunity, right? Hawkinson's in Minnesota. Jameson Williams is suspended for the first six games. They've got Amon Ross St. Brown and not a lot else. I mean, yep. you know, we'll, Josh we'll Reynolds. see. Well, Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, Sam Laporta, the rookie tight end. I mean, but, you know, they don't. It's not like it's hard to squint and say, like, oh, where, where could he get five or six targets a game? Like, it's pretty easy to see a scenario where Jameer Gibbs is having, you know, four receptions, five receptions a game. Yep. I think most importantly, a young offensive coordinator in Ben Johnson, too, who will come in with a plan for a guy at the running back position they used a top 15 selection on. Our final rookie here in the notes, guys, Tank Bigsby, uh, who is in the headlines lately. Jags reporter John Shipley believes he'll be, uh, he has the inside track to be the number two. Impressions of Tank Bigsby. So I've met a lot of NFL players in my life, right? You know, it's one of the benefits of being my age. Uh, I've met a ton. No, jokes aside, I'm not that old. Um, I, 64 years old. Um, I'm not that old, asshole. Um, look, that one's but but um, uh, what I will say is I've, so I've met a lot of NFL players uh, in my life, and the only person that has a stronger handshake than Tank Bigsby is Adrian Peterson. No, it no. was Adrian Peterson-esque. Like, I mean, I, people have talked legendly about, like, but his, it was just like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, he yeah. is <laughs> like, right, and it's not like he was trying to be a sure. jerk, or, or, but that's just like, he's like, this guy is like, you know, built like a brick. I mean, like, he is, he is like, there is not an ounce of fat in this guy. He's he, Tank. He's, na- <laughs> like, he, he's tank named Tank. Crispy. He is a Tank, like, unbelievable. Like, I was just like, oh, damn. And so, right, to you mentioned, like, you think about, whatever, Dearness Johnson, Jamichael Hasty there. Uh, I do think Bigsby will be the backup. Doug Peterson has traditionally liked using multiple running backs. Last year, ETN did get a decent amount of run, a, a significant workload here. But given the postseason expectations for Jacksonville, I don't think they're going to want to wear ETN down. So I do think Bigsby can carve out a role here, you know, really productive, obviously, all the way through Auburn as well. Just, I don't know, Tank Bigsby uh, just – that's a guy that can take a beating. Like that's a guy that can like he's. That's a guy that can go between the tackles and you know, just very impressive physically. Yeah, I, I think he significantly cuts into some of Etienne's production, specifically at the goal line. I mean, when you look at Bigsby, he did not get a lot of help from that Auburn offensive line last year. I remember writing down that scouting report. The first thing I noted was leg drive. I was like, this guy just knows how to push the pile. It's going to be interesting to see how he impacts Etienne. Yeah, and I think Doug Peterson in his heart of hearts, what he wants to do is he wants to have guys max out at around 200 carries and not oh, get yeah. to 255. Like, he wants guys oh. to be explosive, to not be worn down, to have a rotation of capable guys. That's why they took him. So it'd be a little bit like Etienne's going to be fine and he's going to score a lot, a lot of touchdowns and probably more touchdowns than last year. I guess the team's going to be better. But I wouldn't go in expecting that he's necessarily going to, you know, potentially get into that tier with McCaffrey and Eckler and Bijan or even Jonathan Taylor and Saquon. I'm not sure he's going to have that workhorse load, particularly when he's, he does have an injury history. 
Let's get into some Roto-World headlines, the latest around the NFL. This first one, a big one, of course. Austin Eckler will play for the Chargers in 2023 after the team added $1.75 million in incentives to his contract. So, obviously, great to see Eckler back with the Chargers. Not a big uh, boost here to the contract. It feels like both sides just had to find a way before he ultimately, assumingly, becomes a free agent after the season. Yeah, I mean, it's the best spot for him, right? Yeah, because we've seen what he ago. produces um, in Los Angeles. This, this offense is going to be a monster, I think, because they get Rashawn Slater back on the offensive line. They had Quinton Johnston. Theoretically, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen should be healthier. And the main thing is, is Justin Herbert should be healthier because he's banged up all of last year. Yeah. Uh, Eckler is a very good chance to be the number one player in fantasy again. Again, he was the number one running back last year, almost 22 fantasy points per game since 1970. He is one of only three running backs that have at least 18 touchdowns and 100 or more receptions in a season. The other two guys, Chris McCaffrey and LaDainian Tomlinson. Like, it's kind of ridiculous the, the company he's in. Last two years, he has 38 touchdowns from scrimmage. That is 12 more than any other player. And so, Eckler going back to this thing. And the other thing is, is again, like, football's a mental game, right? I like the fact that so he wanted more money. He got more money, sort of, but they're all incentive-based, incentive for him to want to play well. He also knows that he's a free agent at the end of the year. So what's the best way to get paid a lot of money if you're Austin Eckler? Perform really well this year, hit all your incentives, and then, oh, by the way, now you're coming off this monster year as a free agent, go out to the NFL. So, uh, look, Eckler's my number two running back, I, and if somebody took him as the number one running back, I still have Justin Jefferson number one overall, but... Eckler, once again, will be a fantasy superstar. Friend of the podcast, friend of the show, yes. Austin Eckler. Multiple-time friend of the show. Multiple times. Yeah. He's been on the show multiple times. We yeah. love Austin Eckler. Best friend of the show. Best friend, Best of, friend the of the show. Yeah. Right. All right, this next and, one. And if he wanted to do it full-time, like, I mean, just so you know, in <laughs> yeah. case you were wondering. Could we crouch out Eckler? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. I'd that. I'd understand that. Yeah, yeah that'd be pretty fun. much. Yeah, that's fun. Our next one here is from Josina Anderson. She reports Aaron Rodgers suffered a strained calf. At OTAs. So it begins. Yeah, I mean, he's old. It's going to happen. I mean, very oh, Once again, he looked. He said he's old, and he looked right at me. I did. That one was on purpose. Barry's got two strained calves as we speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, just, it happens, right? It does. Our injury expert for those 40 and over. <laughs> I hate both of you. Because, <laughs> I mean, he didn't really, like, he didn't really do uh, anything at practice. It was just, you know, it looked like he was walking out of the practice, strained calf. Take the day off, Zach Wilson, you throw the ball. Yeah, yeah it'd, be, it'd be fine. There's it's nothing, okay. it's nothing a darkness retreat or some ayahuasca can't <laughs> yeah. fix. He'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this would be a bigger deal if it were August. You know, sure. it's May. It's May. But um, any news around Aaron Rodgers is news, and so uh, worth noting. I do think, you know, it's interesting. I want to just bring this up. You mentioned so Zach Wilson gets some reps here. Connor, as somebody who covers the Jets for a long time, you also uh, work with our friends over at SNY doing a bunch of stuff with their Jets coverage as well. Has there been any talk... Because so much of the attention has been on Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson has sort of been forgotten, which I think in some ways is really good. Oh, it is. Like, let him just yeah. be in the background and, like, you know, and take the spotlight off him. But has there, has there been any sense around practice or talking to things that, like, you know, Wilson's learning from Rodgers or this is a good thing or this may, this may be an opportunity for him to resurrect his career as a backup to, to number eight now? There I ha- say that. There hasn't. <sighs> they think that. They really, I mean, there's a reason why their other quarterback on the roster is Tim Boyle. Like, they right. are not pressing to sign a number two right now. They want to see how Zach Wilson looks this summer. I mean, it's OTAs, who cares? But he had a great day in OTAs, throwing at guys like Garrett Wilson, Jeremy Rucker, some of their starters out there. So the Jets believe that 
the only way they could have a resurgence of Zach Wilson was with acquiring Aaron Rodgers. If it was Carr, Tannehill, whoever, it was over. This is the one way they feel like in a year or two they see what they have and if Zach Wilson learned anything. And so far, it's May, but it's been really good for them. I I think I would almost take heart in how incredibly bad Wilson was last year where it was almost went beyond, oh, he just didn't regress. Like, no, he's completely broken. Like, he's just completely gone. It was like Chuck Chuck Knobloch can't throw to the first base anymore type of thing. And the fact that it was that and not like, oh, he's just been, you know, a four out of ten or whatever. The fact that it was so bad makes you think that, well, he can piece it together again because it's something that he needs to get back confidence-wise. So, yeah, I... I guess at some point he's probably going to get another chance just because Rodgers isn't going to be there for four or five years. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I guess that's part of the Rodgers deal. Is well, to right, train because, him again, up. I think, like, you know, he was a kid that came in with all these ex- – he was young, right? He, got, he was very young when he was drafted. He, get, he comes into New York, tough media market, comes into a franchise at the time, was picking second overall for a reason, oh, yeah. um, and a lot around him. So a lot of expectations on him. Up and down rookie year got injured as well. And then all of a sudden last year, the Jets are good. Out of the blue, you know, the Jets are all of a sudden good. And it's just like now there's pressure on, on this kid that didn't get a ton of reps. And, you know, there's the, the ghost stuff and everything like that. And so it just, um, uh, I don't know. You know, like I just felt like it's a tough situation. I think if Zach Wilson had been placed in another situation in the NFL, his career is probably looks different than it does right now. Yep. Yeah, a more supportive franchise, a smaller market, you know, Something like that. The I thing know. as well is just with the NFL, like there are just there's so few games. Like Zach Wilson has played so few games. Yeah. You can't write a guy off um, who is, we've seen so little sample of. Obviously, there hasn't been much good so far, and right. normally guys who do make it have shown something by now. But again, the talent is but, such, and the sample is small enough that there's still a chance. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, I'll give you a couple of examples just off the top of my head, right? I mean, so first off, Geno Smith. We just talked about, right? I mean, like, this conversation a year ago is like Geno Smith was a bust, right? You know, 18 months ago, if you'd asked anyone, people say, speaking of Jets quarterbacks, right? You know, that, yeah, that that Geno was a bust. What about Ryan Tannehill? People forget that Ryan Tannehill was a top 10 overall pick for the Miami Dolphins and, you know, considered very mediocre there. I don't think people, he didn't have his. You know, poor a start as as Zach Wilson. He had there. a terrible season though before he went to Tennessee. Yeah, he was very, very. He bad. was signed as a backup to Marcus yep. Mariota. Yep. I mean, people, I'm like he, like they were just Miami just wanted to get rid of him, yep. and you know, Tennessee got him very cheaply to back up Marcus Mariota, and it wasn't until Mariota got hurt that he had a chance, and then he was just he's been lights out ever since. Yep. Um, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, example. another guy that people thought was sure. a, a, a thousand percent as a as a bust. And and by the way, and I'll also say this, and just whatever, because you know it's not on Roto World headlines, but we there's been a lot of talk about sort of the Trey Lance had a great day at camp the other day or whatever. Like Sam, I'm not ruling out Sam Darnold. I'm not ruling out a Sam Darnold comeback either. Like get him in that Shanahan system. Like we'll see. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Dar- like. Donald might be the best quarterback on that team. That's a very real chance. Like, he played really well in Carolina in the back half of the year. And I think Brock Purdy, like, I'm not... Like, there was a reason that Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. And the fact that he looks so good, a lot of that has to be Shanahan in the context. So, Sam Donald, best arm in 149ers history. Uh, right. According to, uh, yeah, Matt Mayoko. Yeah, so, anyway, I'm just saying, like, there are examples of people, uh, of players coming in struggling early on but then ultimately becoming productive NFL players and so I think there's still that path for Zach Wilson so this next one kind of one of those ones that you know makes you shiver a little bit former Patriots running back coach Ivan Fears said he thinks Ty Montgomery has a great chance to be the third down back and take some of the load off Ramondre 
Okay. Well, sure. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, like James Robinson's there. Pierre Strong is there as well. Ramondre is going to be the guy. Could he take some of the load off? Sure. Somebody but, has to. But, right, like, Ramondre Stevenson's going to touch the ball 20 times a game. And, by the way, he's really freaking good. He's, he's a top 10 running back for me as well. Um, I, I think he's going to be uh, – He's going to be great. So this is just more about like trying to figure out who the insurance running back is if you draft for Andre Stevenson. So there may be some value for Montgomery in deeper PPR leagues if he is, in fact, the, that third down back. But it doesn't feel like Ramondre is going to come off the, the field that often this year. No. Ty Montgomery with a bit of Raheem Blackshear type of vibe where he doesn't really <laughs> exist outside of kind of just ruining things for other right. players, yeah, fantasy-wise. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Ramondre will be fine. This one from Cleveland, the athletic Zach Jackson writes that the plan for Jerome Ford is to let him show he's ready for whatever action Nick Chubb doesn't take. Obviously, Kareem Hunt is still out there in free agency. Maybe a little opportunity for Jerome Ford, the former running back from Cincinnati. We talked about that. If you go back and look at my combine column, I talked to a team source around Cleveland, and the things that came back to me about Cleveland's offense, the two things that came back to me was, number one, this is going to be a much more wide-open offense this year. That they're going to – this is no longer – you know, Nick Chubb, three yards in a cloud of dust. Um, they don't, you don't pay a quarter of a billion dollars to a quarterback like Deshaun Watson and have him hand off. Like, they're going to go three, four, five wide quite a bit. They're going to be a much more pass-happy and fantasy-friendly offense. Uh, one of the reasons why I know you really like Cedric Tillman, I do as well, uh, this season. I got to interview him at the Combine as well. But Amari Cooper and Joku, they, the passing attack should be good. So that was one of the big things that came away. The other big thing was... Jerome Ford is the guy you want. It's, he's going to be Nick Chubb's backup. They really like what they have in, in Jerome Ford. It's one of the reasons why Dearness Johnson was allowed to go. One of the reasons why Kareem Hunt's not going to be back is because of the confidence they have in Jerome Ford. Yeah. Nick Chubb, it's weird to say because he's Nick Chubb. He's such an established commodity. But he, to me, is one of the most interesting players in the league fantasy-wise next season just because we haven't seen him in a potentially elite passing game, a spread offense. Like, it's always been the Nick Chubb show or right. the Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt show. Like, maybe with the space off, maybe he gets better. Maybe he has more usage in the passing game. Or maybe he gets marginalized a bit more. I just don't know. So I think he has a lot more range of outcomes than Nick Chubb usually I has. think he's 12 touches. I think he's yeah. going to be literally, like, I would take the under on 15 touches as a game for okay. him. Um, but I also think it's going to be a much more efficient offense that's in scoring position. So he yep. may touch the ball less and have a better fantasy year because he scores more touchdowns. I mean, you know, because around the goal line, he's as, he's, as, yep. he's as good as there is in the NFL. And so I do think Ford is an interesting flyer late in best ball drafts or as insurance for Nick Chubb. It's going to be a good offense. Before we get to our Ask Matthew Anything segment, going on right around the corner from us on the Unbutton set, Chris Sims continues his Top 40 Quarterback Countdown. Be sure to tune in today as they round out the first half of the rankings. And I've heard both Chris and Ahmed have some early ride-or-die predictions for Barry. What? But he is so good at that, and he makes so many great plays. Oh, I and love, he scares I love the shit out of me. I love watching he him He could play. be a fantasy. I mean, Matthew oh, Barry he's might have, have him the number one guy. And he's number seven right now. Okay. But he could have him as, like, my guy, who J- Jalen Hurts was last year. He sure. was, like, his guy that right. he would take his take a stab at right. in a draft and so yeah yeah ride or die that's right ride or die guy and uh it could be justin fields i know i, I know. haven't talked to matthew but i, I i'm getting that feeling yeah. that that could be the guy this yes. year well that takes us to our first question from the spartan gooner here who asked who is your way too early ride or die candidate for the 2023 season chris and ahmed think they're on to you with the justin fields prediction he's the leading candidate right now i mean he's oh, wow. the leader in the clubhouse for sure i i really like justin fields this year i will tell you this 
I wish it could be Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson, I'm going to have three overall. Like he's just too obvious. He's too yep. big a name. But if if not, it would be Bijan Robinson. Yep. I mean, like, because I just I believe in that kid. Like, you know, nobody's business. He, he's going to have a monster year. I think there's a very good chance that he comes in as the number one. You know, he finishes the year as the number one player in fantasy or the number one running back in fantasy. So, yep. but I think it's a little bit. That one's a little bit too obvious. So, Fields is on the list. Anthony Richardson, I'm toying oh, with. Wow. I'm thinking that's, about, that's about, about that. That's that. a fair one. Jameer Gibbs is interesting okay. as well. But so a couple of names there. But yep. I would say I'm not announcing it yet. But yes, I think Ahmed and uh, Sims are on to something there in terms of Justin Fields is the leader in the clubhouse yep. right now. I throw a name at you. Sure. Potential ride or die candidate. Yeah. I think, I mean, big name, but is a little bit forgotten. Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert could very easily be the number one quarterback in fantasy. I think that the fact that he was injured last season, people have forgotten how good he was the year before. That offense is going to be the best it's ever been. Now that Eckler is back, just helps him. I think there's a very good chance Herbert is the best quarterback in the league outside of Mahomes. Yeah, I think that's a really good call. I'll also say Lamar Jackson. I feel like people are yeah. sort of, for, because he's been injured so much the last two years, there was yeah. all the drama with the contract. I just don't feel, you know, people are like, yeah, yeah, Lamar Jackson's yeah. Go fine. Go on, unanimous yeah, MVP. But like that, like, Watch Lamar Jackson. Hey, I got paid. I got Todd Munkin. I got Bateman and Zay Flowers and OBJ and Mark Andrews and a running game. And I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to ball out. Like, you know, so um, anyway, there's a lot of different, a lot of choices. Stay tuned. We're, um, I'm crunching the numbers. All right. Our next one yeah, here says, uh, I think, I feel like And Jay, the chicken. I'm crunching the chicken, too. I feel like Blue Truth might be uh, Jay's burner account. First mate. <laughs> the happy hour has a chance yes. to be epic. Great chemistry with you, Connor, and the Aussie Gambler. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a good name of a riverboat. Yeah. It does. The Aussie, the Aussie gambler. gambler. You're like you're like the Aussie Kenny Rogers. Yeah, unbelievable. Do you know when to fold them and when to hold them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jay? I do. Yeah, I know. I make great calls around that. All right, uh, good. Yeah. Blue Truth did have a question here. Who do you really think will be the 49ers quarterback uh, most relevant for optimizing the aggregate fantasy value for the team? Kind of felt like you hinted at this a little earlier. Well, be the 49ers quarterback most relevant for I think what he's asking there I think what uh, he's asking is which which quarterback would we want for the to opt to make sure that Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk yes. and George Kittle and Trisha McCaffrey have the best fantasy season and I'll say Brock Purdy just because we saw it last yeah, year it's good. It's I, like it wouldn't shock me if Sam Donald's the guy it wouldn't shock me if Trey Lance is the guy but in terms of Brock Purdy's the most known quantity in terms of like all those guys had really good fantasy games under Brock Purdy over the final six games of the regular season. Sam Darnold, um, look, you know, again, we haven't seen him in San Francisco offense. You know, when he was at, with Carolina, he sort of locked in on DJ Moore, which makes sense because DJ Moore was really all they had. So it's hard to know will Sam Darnold, like, spread it around and everything like that. Um, I think what I would say is I don't know that it matters because I think that whoever the answer is for Kyle Shanahan is going to be the answer for those guys. Shanahan's got, like, nice options available to him. But I feel like if Brock Purdy is healthy, he's the starter week one, just based on what he's done. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's not healthy, Donald comes in, gets that job, and doesn't give it up. Yep. It's odd to say about a guy who was the last pick in the draft and has played like nine games and is coming off a serious injury, but I feel like he's the safest guy and also the one who's the lowest variance, highest right. floor. And also the thing is like he's shown that 
he has a very good connection with George Kittle in particular, where Kittle was putting up big numbers, big touchdown numbers in the last season. Debo Samuel had a massive playoff game with Brock Purdy. Like he's shown that he can get those guys the ball. And also, they don't really have guys who are super dependent on like the deep ball. That's not necessarily the offense. It's more yards after the catch stuff. And Purdy's shown that you know he can do that. He can execute. We just haven't seen the other guys. Yeah, and and by the way, also with Trey Lance, they, there's a scenario where if Trey Lance is a starter, like. They're doing a lot more option runs with him, and he's just tucking the ball and running, which would be good for the 49ers, but not great for, like, one of the receivers. You know, Brock Purdy is a stand-in-the-pocket-and-throw guy. He's got to distribute the ball because he's not running that much. You know what I mean? So, to me, I think, to answer your question, I think it's Brock Purdy who's been there the longest. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, whatever. Of those three guys, he's started the most games for the 49ers, as insane as that is. He has, and, and again, we there is some proof of him uh, contributing – him making those guys fantasy superstars yep. if, or helping them to continue to be. If they like Sam Darnold as much as they do, I would be stunned if they have all three of these guys to start the season. Because this team, right now, they're the second favorite to win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. Like They need to get something out of Trey Lance in terms of value uh, to help them win the championship like this year. Like they, I don't... That just doesn't seem like the optimal use of your resources at that point. So, I don't know. I don't know what the market is for Trey Lance. Obviously, it's not as high as they would probably like it. But it just doesn't feel like they're all going to be there. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, we'll see how it all plays out. Our next question is, do you, this one uh, says, do you put the peanut butter or the jelly on the bread first, crust or no crust? That is from Fortino. Well, listen, Fortino. Fortino always comes with the good questions. Um, so first off, let's start with the obvious crust. Obviously, come on. What are we doing here? Crust, I mean, absolutely, one hundred percent crust. Come on, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm not. 12, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, we're yeah. all red-blooded Americans, right? Here. I'm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So I'm not. I'm not like two or three. And the other thing is, I listen. The sandwich is called a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a PB and J. And so that's the order you put it on. You put on the peanut butter, then the jelly. Anything else is un-American. Yeah, you know, we don't have it this year. Did you do PB&Js in Australia? No, no we don't. No, just the Vegemite sandwiches? Yeah, Vegemite's very overrated. Yeah, uh, Vegemite and Spam? Ve- Vegemite's incredibly, uh, incredibly bad. Um, PB, <laughs> yeah, in Australia it's just PB. There's no J. Yeah, there's no, really? Yeah, it's just no peanut butter sandwiches? Yeah. Wow. And also, we don't try. call it jelly, we call it jam. As well. I think <laughs> right. they're a little different. Right. Yeah. Maybe not. We don't usually combine peanut butter and, and jam. And jam. I'm sure there'll be some Australians who take umbrage with that, but uh, that's my understanding of how we play it. Okay. <laughs> so for the kids, do you do things the Australian way? Like, do they only eat peanut butter sandwiches, or do they do they get the American uh, deliciousness or, of PB&J? Or if you're so engaged in the game, or you just hand them a beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just hand them a beer. Yeah. Sip on yeah, this. Exactly. Get out of my way. Yeah. No, no, we're fully assimilated. No, we're all in America. So, okay, yeah, okay. we're all in peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Okay. Cheeseburgers, yeah. Freedom fries. Cheeseburgers, freedom fries. Yeah, we're big on freedom fries. Yeah. Lovely. Love freedom fries. Freedom fries. Yeah, yeah. We uh, love big sized everything. Yeah. Yes, yes. Your small here is our extra large. Oh, it's, it's, it's actually sickening. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> actually. Yeah. We're a fat country. The yeah. big cup, the 60 ounce yeah, soda. It's actually unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. We're still adjusting to that. But yeah. the kids, it will be their normal once they grow up. Yeah. Yep. Everything's bigger. All right, back to football here. This one, this next one. Who has a bigger season, Ramondre or Javante Williams? That is from Ryan Ross. Ramondre. Yeah, and it's not close. Decisively, huh? Not close at all. Yep. I mean, I, I just don't know. If, I think there's a chance Javante starts on the pup list. Even if somehow Javante Williams is active for week one, I think it'll be a while before he gets his burst back coming off that ACL. I also think Samaj P. Ryan's going to have a bigger role than people are expecting. Peyton likes to use uh, multiple running backs there. 
it's all Ramondre in uh, New England. So, yeah, it's Ramondre Stevenson, and it's not particularly close. The question is, Javante Williams or Ty Montgomery? That's a closer one to me. Ramondre right. Stevenson. Uh, I think the closest one is, is Javante Williams or Samaj P. Ryan. And yes. right now, I'd say P. Ryan. That's the big one. Right yeah, there. yeah. P. Ryan, uh, he should go earlier in drafts than Javante. Yep. I agree. Our next one, and you kind of hinted at this earlier here, Barry. Which rookie other than Bijan do you expect to have a great fantasy year? That is from Evan Solomon. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, Jameer Gibbs, obviously, would be right up there. I do think Jordan Addison has a really nice year. We talked about Tank Dell earlier in the show. I think he's really interesting. And then, obviously, it just you know sort of depends. Like, if something were to happen to ETN, Tank Bigsby would be a thing, right? I mean, you know, so it's like if something were to happen to Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet would be a thing. So it's, it's just a matter of opportunity. So, uh, But I think Gibbs should be the second rookie off the board in redraft leagues. Yep. A-Chain is the other one who really oh, excited for if there is an injury yeah. to, to most little Wilson Which then. there often is. Tends to be. And I, I, I spoke to him, and I was just like, you know, I said, hey, I said, hey, if uh, you think you could be, you know, what, what would happen if uh, you and Tyreek raced in practice? He goes, well, listen, he's like, I'm not going to go challenge him. But he goes, but I wouldn't back down either. Like, no. if he started talking trash to me, I'd like... No. I think I'd have a shot. I so. would back down. So yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely no back down. Blown hamstring, yeah. Yeah. torn yeah. Achilles. But, yeah, they, they like A-Chain a lot, and his speed fits in with what they want to do. McDaniel pounding the table for them to go out and draft him, yep. which they did. And you think Anthony Richardson has redraft value right now? I do. Right. Yeah. He's my number 13 quarterback yep. in redraft. Yep. He's got, again, think about Lamar Jackson's rookie year where they literally would not let him throw. Like, it was all running, and he was the ninth-best quarterback in fantasy. Jalen Hurts' rookie year, we played four games. Didn't have really have anyone to throw to. Also, run heavy. You know, averaged like a 50, I want to say a 55% uh, completion percentage his rookie year. Maybe even lower. Ninth best rookie in fantasy on a points-per-game basis. Jalen Hurts was for those four games. Like, I, again, like just the rushing is so powerful. And all Anthony Richardson needs to do is, in addition to the rushing, like just learn, you know, learn a package to get the ball to Michael Pittman. I would argue he's coming to as good a situation, if not better, than what Lamar Jackson had and certainly better than what Jalen Hurts had when he was a rookie because Doug Peterson was on his way out. No was, they were fighting with Howie Roseman. They had no receivers excel. exactly. I mean, they were, uh, they, his best receiver was Greg Ward, AF superstar, former college quarterback, Greg Ward. Yep. That was his best receiver. Goddard was hurt. Like, Hurts had nobody. Yeah. I would also say just from like a – emotional like you play fantasy mainly like largely because it's fun and also like how fun is it if you're you know 13th quarterback off the ball that guys in that range are going to be like Geno Smith and Daniel Jones or Aaron Rodgers Derek Carr like Santa like those like that's not fun it's not fun it's like Derek Carr it's fun to take Anthony Richardson also like you're riding so much upside right and by the way if for some reason it doesn't work out it's it's a position where you can easily replace him yes you can right. get like relatively high enough floor production out of that position more than any other like it's not like running back where all of a right. sudden you're you know you're really struggling like you'll be able to find a guy you'll be able to find a Tannehill or something uh and just to have Anthony Richardson like I I drafted Lamar Jackson his MVP season and it was just the best thing in the entire world yeah it was just the best thing ever and yeah. Richardson could recreate that 100%. sticking with the rookie theme this next question is simply how high are we drafting Bijan, Matthew Berry? Now I think there's, I, there's a – somebody drafted him 101, I would not be shocked. I would not do that. Again, I like Jefferson better. I like Christian McCaffrey better. I have Eckler ahead of him. I have Cup ahead of him. So, for me, five would be the earliest I would take him. But, again, 
I wouldn't, if I was in a draft and I saw somebody else take B. John Robinson 101, I wouldn't be like, come on, what are you doing? Like, yep. I, he can be that dude. He can be that dude. Yep. No, I agree. I think that's right. Like, those guys are just so much safer. And also, Bijan's ceiling isn't significantly above them to the point where I think it justifies, you know, tackling what could be a, what will be probably a much lower floor. Just because we haven't seen him. I don't know how many carries Tyler Algier is going to get. Probably not right. that many, but right. it could be. And Arthur Smith, um, yeah, can be a problem for fantasy managers. This next question, one of my favorites here, simply, do you believe John Hammond from Jurassic Park was a madman with a god <laughs> complex bringing dinosaurs back to life or a genius who pushed genetics beyond its boundaries for the greater good of scientific exploration? That one mm. is from Coach Booze. Coach Booze. I like Coach Booze. On okay. the Booze when this question was written. Unbelievable. I honestly think he's both. I think I think he's both. I think he was. I think what cop out answer. Hang on, look, look. I think he's he's clearly a genius. He pushed genetics beyond its boundaries for the greatest good of scientific exploration to understand everything like that. But I also think because he was this genius, he had this kind of madman complex, bringing dinosaurs back to life, and he was focused on didn't care about the repercussions and everything like that. He was so singularly focused on his goal that he just uh, that he created this. I think similar to the people that are creating AI right now, there's somebody that's going to create an evil robot. You know, and that's going to take over the world. It's going to multiply. I, I'm just saying. So um, I, I know it's a cop-out answer, but I, I really believe it's both. Where do you think? You're Mr. Movie. You have a firm stance on this. I'm hugely uh, on the God Complex side. I think it went through his head. It's kind of like a Walter White Breaking Bad situation. Like yeah. uh, evil or kind of, no, I think it went through his head. I think both, both God Complexes. Both God. Two and O. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm on the side of that as well. Yeah, I think you, at some God. point you got to pull the plug. Yeah, yeah. got to pull the plug. Come uh, on. Yeah, I mean it's, it's fair, but I think I think he was clearly a genius. The, the like, plan eating uh, brought dinosaurs back to life. Yeah, it was a good. You effort. can't be a dumbass and no, do that. It's great effort. I it's definitely really smart. That, not, No one on this table could bring dinosaurs back <laughs> to life. A lot of brilliant people, though, absolutely are insane. Yes, yeah, Walter exactly. White is one of them. Yeah, comes with the territory sometimes. Yeah, as as Matthew Berry knows. Yes, 100. percent Great question, Coach. Really like that Coach one. Booze. All right, back to football here. Do you think Darnell Washington will take a good chunk of targets away from Pat Fryermuth? That one's from Dom. I don't. I don't either. Because I don't think there's a good chunk of targets going to Pat Fryermuth. I mean, I think it's still going to be a run-heavy offense. I think they've, you know, they've, got, uh, they've got Deontay Johnson there. I think another year of George Pickens, I think he, he'll get a, a, a bigger target share there. You've got Fryermuth. So, no, I don't think – I don't know how many targets – Fryermuth is getting, and so do I think, you know, of whatever Fryermuth is going to get to, I think Darnell Washington, who's a really good blocker as well. That's the name uh, of this game. Right. He could be a red zone threat. He could take a touchdown, a couple of touchdowns away from Fryermuth, but no, I still think Fryermuth is a borderline top 10 tight end. Yeah. yeah, I don't have a fear here. That offense makes you just feel kind of icky and uneasy. I just don't Fair. like it. It's yeah. not... Just, it doesn't work. It's not fluid. It's not clean. It doesn't feel like they're optimizing ever. And there's just, but there's like a lot of talented guys between Frymuth and Pickens and Deontay Johnson and Najee. Like it just never adds up. Yeah. The line looks better. Yeah, yeah. The line should be better. Uh, I, I, think Pickett, Pickett, I think Pickett will be better in his second year. Pickett quietly ended the season pretty well and yeah. had those two comebacks in prime time. Like he's got the tools. It just doesn't work, and it's a tough division. Just wouldn't want to be getting involved in the Pittsburgh offense. You were driving one of your many Rookie of the Year campaigns at one point yeah, for Pickett. I liked a campaign. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, didn't have like Kenny, Kenny Pickett. Yeah, he didn't give me much at the end of that last game. That's all, right. all right. Keeping it moving. Who is a dark horse fantasy outbreak this season? Someone who won't even get drafted in most leagues, but could be a difference maker. That one. Firstly, fantasy outbreak sounds like a virus. Yeah, disease. a little bit. Yes. 
the fantasy outbreak. <laughs> yeah. Someone who won't be drafted. I mean, again, that's one of those like, you know, I'll say I'll two of the guys we mentioned here. I mean, I'll, I'll say like again, Tank Dell and and Cedric Tillman. I don't know if either of those guys. I think they'll. I think Tank Dell will get drafted. We'll talk about know, them on waivers. I don't know about Till, Yeah, until, we'll definitely talk about them on waivers. But the truth is, is like it's basically asking to predict an injury. Like we talked about with Tank <laughs> Bigsby, right? I mean, like again, like so. Uh, do I do I think Pierre Strong makes a difference? No, but if Ramondre Stevenson goes out for the year, like could you see a scenario like that? Yes, you could, right? Um, I'll give you one though. How about again? I don't know if he gets. Uh, I don't know if uh, I think he'll get drafted. So it's hard to be like. Pick, give me a guy that's going to have a significant impact that won't get drafted. But what about Cam Akers? Yeah, I mean, like, sure. the, the, you know, a, a year remo- a, right, a, this is a guy who's had a lot of – who had success in the NFL. Last year didn't do anything, but it was his first year back from injury. I, I feel like there's going to be a ton of opportunity for him in L.A. Like, there's not a lot of competition there. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you kind of – when you're talking undrafted, you have to look at – you go pretty far down. It's hard. Yeah. Right. But so I would look at things like, all right, well, what if Derrick Henry gets traded? And then all of a Tajay sudden. Tajay Spears. Yeah, yeah. Someone like Tajay Spears. Uh, who is going to fill the void when Jameson Williams is out for six weeks? Is there someone who can fill that? Like, there's not that many inspiring choices there. Is there a chance that one of these Baltimore receivers really ignites? Like, Rashad Bateman's going to get drafted. Could Rashad Bateman be a wide receiver too in fantasy? Like, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. So, I mean, you have to start getting into pretty unlikely outcomes in terms of undrafted. But, yeah, Tajay Spears? I would think maybe, maybe Isaiah Hodgins. I think he gets drafted. But I think he's somebody that starts. I mean, they have the Giants, 80 five yeah. foot eight wide receivers, and yep. they just don't have a lot of size. He's going to start at the X position. Yeah, he'll yep. probably yep. be taken at the end of the dra- at, yeah. at the end I of most drafts. I could see uh, Jalen Hyatt, but it's it's going to be uh, the only other one I might say is um, uh, that's that's sort of interesting that probably won't get drafted is some of the some of the second tier tight ends that you could see. I mean, like Cole Komet's going to go outside the top ten. Juwan Johnson. The Saints is going to go outside the top ten. I know they've signed Foster Moreau, but Juwan Johnson could, you know, could have a big year here. They they they, they brought him back. Um, could have an Evan Ingram like last year yep. kind of role. So when like with this kind of stuff, like you want really high variance. So my, my Chiga Conquo. Yeah, Chiggy. I love Chiggy. Sure. What about if Jordan Love is just really good, and then Romeo Dobbs, who's probably going to get drafted, but Romeo Dobbs was incredible at the start of last season and looked like he was going to, people thought he was just going to be Devontae Adams, and then it never right. really happened for him, but the talent is there, so I don't know, Romeo Dobbs as well, I think could exceed expectations. Okay. Yeah. 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 One more good football show. one here. With Juju and Mikol gone in Kansas City, are we already at do or die for Sky Moore dynasty relevancy? That is from Unconventional Strength. I don't think so. Not yet. I mean, he's still young. They really like him. He can play special teams as well. I do. I prefer Kadarius Tony over Sky Moore. If we're um, if we're talking about uh, if we're talking about sort of Kansas City. By the way, that's a guy that could could be a difference maker that sure. probably won't get drafted. Is Rasheed Rice? Kadarius Tony's going to get drafted, but Rasheed Rice, who we did meet at the rookie premiere, who uh, you know Mahomes lobbied to get to drafted. They worked out this this summer and. Um, Rasheed Rice was bigger in person than I thought he was. He's a bigger-bodied guy than I think uh, perhaps he's, he's perceived as. So it'll be interesting, obviously. Yep. I have to say something we're not going to be on for a couple of months. The best bet on the board is Patrick Mahomes to win MVP at plus 700. It's yeah. a ridiculous price. Patrick Mahomes is going to be right. the greatest quarterback of all time. If you think the plus 700 isn't value, you think he's less than a 13% chance to win MVP. 
It's Patrick Mahomes. You should just be plus 200 every year. So you go, go bet Patrick Mahomes, and I'll see you in, see you in July. Oh, there you go. I like that. I'll give you two other dark horses, just as we're thinking about this, as you mentioned, um, that I don't think will get drafted, or if they do, it'll be late. Uh, two guys in Arizona, Rondell Moore uh, and uh, Keontae Ingram. So, again, like, they didn't really sign a running back. So we'll see like, if one of these veterans wind up there. But otherwise, he's the backup to James Conner, who has struggled with health over his career. He stayed healthy mostly for the last two years. But Keontae Ingram could be, you know, could have – I could see a scenario where he has a, a, a decent role this year. Um, so Keontae Ingram. And then also, I mean, again, we don't know how the Hopkins situation is going to play out. They're saying he's back. But there's a scenario where DeAndre Hopkins isn't on this team come opening day. And Rondell Moore, when he was healthy, I mean, we always talked about the human Dorch, but that, and again, it's a new offense, so who knows, but like that, that role, that slot role for Arizona last year, whether it was Dorch or Rondell Moore, got a ton of targets. And so Moore, who's had a bunch of injuries, but we've seen flashes of it from Rondell Moore. And that's a guy that, because it's, you know, it's a bad team and Kyler's not starting. And we're throwing I, a lot. Yeah, I think they'll be, I just think they'll be throwing a lot. And Colt McCoy, certainly with his noodle arm, will be throwing to Rondell Moore. <laughs> He does, he does have a noodle arm. Like his, when Rondell Moore or Dorch were in there and Colt McCoy was under center, they were getting a ton of looks just because McCoy just doesn't go deep. He doesn't go deep. So there you go. There's Did you guys one. see the video when Jonathan Gannon met Rondell Moore? No. No. Oh, if I can't even do the impression. He did, like you know when you meet someone, you shake their hand, dap him up or something. He just goes shoo like he's fast. <laughs> that was his. Wow. And Rondell Moore kind of stood there and looked at him, and then they like dapped up. Very that's interesting what, that's what Matthew did in the hallways at the the Bay Highs who were walking right, by. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, I'm telling and, everybody to go and, Google and, it right and, now. And, uh, it's unbelievable. Right, and weird, and weirdly, back to me, they went. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, a car without a wheel. Yeah. Our, <laughs> our last question for Ask Matthew. Uh, this isn't over yet. Ball. All right, what we got? Yeah. For, for Ask Matthew anything. Uh, this one is from Spencer. Will you be at the Indy 500? NBC has been using you on a variety of other sports they cover, and there's a three-and-a-half-hour pre-race show. I will not be, unfortunately, at the Indy 500. I don't know why I'm not. We talked about it at some point, and then just, just get a better agent. Never, yeah. Gotta get a better agent. I gotta I'm yell down. at it. Levy got me in there. Yeah, Josh wow. Levy got I you there. Go. I, gotta, I gotta yell at Josh Levy, uh, being Connor's agent. Um, yeah, no, I'm not going to be at the Indy 500. I have been before as a spectator. It is an amazing experience. It's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm rooting for my guy, Marcus Erickson. He's my guy because I interviewed him at the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> He's last yeah. year's winner, so we'll see if he can repeat. Uh, be a lot of drama there. So uh, I will not be there, but I will be watching. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'll have some more milk like I did last week. Do we have that clip? Do we have that clip? <laughs> All right, let's get it. Oh, yeah, there let's, we do. We have that. Oh, yeah. Shot. That's two winners right there. That's how, oh. There's two different ways to drink milk yeah. right there. No, that's one winner and one man with a straw. The <laughs> countdown to the Indy 500 continues. Tune in to NBC and Peacock this Sunday to find out who's going to be popping milk bottles or perhaps <laughs> sipping gently from a straw. <laughs> oh, man. Yes, Marcus Erickson, Barry's guy. Come on, somebody love, take a straw out. I love you've claimed Marcus Erickson as your guy. Who's like, on the I've, Mount Rushmore Barry's guys? Hemsworth? Well, no, Eights is the one. C.D. Lamb is your Aitz, guy. Eights. Yeah. yeah. But Mount Rushmore, you got four choices. Hugh Jackman, you hijacked the show once to talk oh, yeah. about Hugh Jackman for ten minutes. I uh, mean, also, Hugh Jackman should be my guy because he's Australian. He should be, but him. but uh, but he's <laughs> not. Guy. Obviously, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts <laughs> is my guy. Uh, is a thousand percent. Eckler, you know. 
Yeah. He's also my guy. Yeah. I walked past Derrick Henry at Radio Row, so Derrick Henry's my guy. Is That's like guy kind of the extent kettle. of your Mark Erickson, yes. kind of your guy. Yeah. yeah. Me and Derrick are tight. Yeah. He's, my, he's, he's, my, he's, my, uh, he's, he's my guy for the Indy 500, Marcus okay. Erickson. That's who I'm rooting for. Yep. That's what I'm, I'm just saying. That's who Me I'm rooting too. for. Yep. Before we go on a little break, we'll close yeah. out with some roster predictions. Uh, obviously, there could be some movement after June 1. Always some post-June 1 cuts. Jay, right. what do you got? So I'm going to predict that Joe Mixon ends up on the Cowboys. Just feels like a very Jerry thing uh, to do. Just ruin Tony Pollard for everyone. Right. They just I don't know why, but they just don't ever seem committed to just giving it to Pollard, letting it be his show. I don't understand the concerns about him being small, not being able to carry the workload. Can we just see him? Not small, by the way. He's not. He's not. He's not small. He was a workhorse back in college. Yeah. Can we yes, just see him not carry the workload first? Let's see him fail in that role first before we bring someone I'm, else in. I'm but with the you. fact that. I'm hoping that they were so heavy on Zeke because it's Zeke and he's so integral to the franchise, but I think they're going to bring in someone else. And why not Joe Mixon? I think there's a better chance they bring Zeke back than Mixon, but we'll see. I, like, I, I sort of like the... like a Cowboys we'll thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to predict that, look, that I think Dalvin Cook is not a member of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, my guy, Ian Harditz, who writes for Fantasy Life, uh, he noticed that the Vikings Twitter page replaced their, uh, their, their banner on their Twitter headline they took Dalvin Cook out and put Alexander Madison in. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, you know, if you want to get into conspiracy yes. theories, but for whatever reason, like they they had they have a graphic with a, a handful of Vikings players in their uh, in their Twitter handle, their yeah. Twitter you know profile picture, and uh, they did a new graphic that has Alexander Madison in the place where Dalvin Cook was. Very, very subtle. So I think yeah, very subtle. Didn't even wait till June second. No, I didn't even wait. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook leaves the Vikings, and bold prediction as to where he goes. I think he goes to play with his brother, mm. James, in Buffalo. The Cook Brothers. I mean, like, right, the Cook Brothers, like, you think about it. His former teammate, Stefan Diggs, is there. His brother is there. The only other competition in the backfield is, like, Latavius Murray and Damian Harris. Like, I think, the, you know, I could see the Bills. I, I, I could see James Cook and Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen say, yo, Dalvin, come over here and win a Super Bowl with us. You know, like, it's a, there's a lot of reasons why you could see that if they release Dalvin Cook as a free agent, why he might wind up in Buffalo. Makes All right, sense. well, I'll go with Zeke then. You predicted Mixon mm. will be gone from the Bengals to go to the Cowboys. How about a little trading places? How about sure. Zeke is gone from the Cowboys yeah. to go to the Bengals? Yeah, it's a tough trade for the Bengals, but I yes. don't yeah, I it's can not say ideal. that. As somebody with, uh, with Ezekiel Elliott on his dynasty team, I would love that. Yeah. A resurgence. Right. A couple yeah, free touchdowns. A little, Look, little, at the moment, he has no value. I so, like it. Yeah. A little ring chasing from Zeke. A yeah. David West signing with the Warriors type operation. I like it. Yeah. yeah I could say that. Okay. And with that, <laughs> yeah. we take a little break. Shout out to David West. Shout out to David West. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. The 18-foot uh, we're assassin. We're off for a couple of months. We're going to go enjoy our summer. You guys as well. NFLPA rookie premiere stuff as well. There'll be more stuff on the NFL and NBC YouTube page. So continue to check that out. Have an awesome summer. We will see you late July. For Jay Croucher and Connor Rogers, rising star Connor Rogers. Right. I'm Matthew Barry. It's closing time. You can't stay here, but you got to go home. Peace out. That's not even true. That's not exactly correct. I screwed that up. You got to go home. No, you do have to go home. Go enjoy, go enjoy the summer. Be with your friends and family. For the love of Pete. God, I do need a break. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>